I come home from being out of town, and then you know my 30th anniversary of Booker's is like down to here. It's like you just drink straight from the bottle. It's like no, I was I've been making whiskey sours with it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, been there. Hey everyone, it is episode 215 of Bourbon Pursuit. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny, and as usual, we've got a little bit of news to run through. For anyone that has been paying attention to the bourbon scene and social media for the past two years, you may have been seeing some turmoil within the Bullet family. Tom Bullet's daughter, Hollis B. Worth, has made numerous public claims about her father being homophobic, and it led to her separation with Diageo, where she felt she wasn't being compensated properly for helping build the brand. This week, the Herald Leader at Kentucky.com broke the news that Tom Bullitt has now taken a step back as the face of the company and will not be representing the brand after new claims have emerged of sexual abuse and pedophilia by his daughter, Hollis. On August 13th, Hollis told her story on HollisBeOfficial.com that her father has been protected from Diageo for these crimes. A spokesperson for Diageo said the company took Worth's claims about her father very seriously and began an internal investigation after receiving a letter stating all this from her attorney. Diageo found no indication that anyone at Diageo has been made previously aware of such claims, according to a spokesperson for the company. In an interview, Tom Bullitt said the accusations are terrible, they're false, and they need to be addressed, and they are. JustDrinks.com has reported a resolution was reached at the start of 2018, which saw Worth receive a payment of around $1.2 million corresponding to the amount Diageo says she would have received had her contract been renewed equal to the five-year deal as well as unpaid overtime. You can read more about this story from the Herald Leader and JustDrinks.com with the link in our show notes. Castle & Key Distillery has discharged an unknown quantity of untreated wastewater last Thursday, August 15th into Glens Creek, killing an unknown number of fish. And this was all reported by state environmental officials. Castle & Key told the investigators that its water treatment system had failed, sending untreated, oxygen-depleting waste directly into the creek. The discharge was stopped around 4 o'clock p.m., about two hours after the state officials received a report. Lab results are pending on the affected creek water. Potential penalties could reach $25,000 per violation per day, but the state won't decide a penalty until the case can actually meet with the company and determine more about what happened. Castle and Key confirmed the incident in a statement that they had issued. So those are kind of grim, but let's kind of switch it up a little bit and talk about something positive because this week's we selected not one, but two barrels at Willett Distillery that will be bottled as Willett Family Estate. And this is just on the heels of last week's announcement saying that we have two barrels that will be bottled as Pursuit Series. It was another hot Kentucky day, reaching around 96 degrees, but we powered through to select one bourbon and one rye. Central Kentucky Tours was our ride and took us from Louisville to the Willett campus. The group asked to start off slow and build up during our tasting, so we tried two 107 proof entry high corn mash bills. Then this was a little bit light in body the first one, so Drew tapped into a second barrel that was on the other side of the warehouse that had a lot more of the oak influence because it sat where the sun was just beating down on it. We then headed over to another floor to try the weeded mash bill. And the third barrel was something special because it didn't have a sweet taste that you would expect. Instead, it was kind of spicy. Come to find out that barrel used 25% of a rye back set to its sour mash process. 
We were unsure if we were able to find another barrel as unique as that, but we pressed on. Uh, we headed out to the fifth floor where it was easily 110 degrees. We got a pour of the OG mash bill and then headed back down to the fourth floor to cool off. This bourbon just had the depth and the punch that you would expect from a Willet family estate. 125 barrel proof entry just gave way to loads of flavors and oak tannins. It was a crowd favorite. After that was selected, we move on to the rise where we came away with a fantastic one after only trying three. It was a high rye rye mash bill and will be seven years old when bottled. And these will all be available to our Patreon community here in just a few months. Thank you to Willett Distillery and Drew for hosting us. Thank you to Central Kentucky Tours for hauling us around and big thanks to Keg and Bottle for making this barrel selection available to us. Learn more about Central Kentucky Tours and Keg and Bottle with the links in our show notes. Today's podcast is all about the cocktail. For myself, I love cocktails, especially when I go out to dinner because being an affluent bourbon drinker, you know what it costs for some basic bourbons on that back wall. So instead, I like to take in the drink culture and try something new that may only be available to that particular restaurant. And the bourbon culture has been getting a big boost from bartenders, creating fantastic concoctions. And that's why we invited Molly Wellman and Bill Whitlow to come on the show. As we start winding down summer and heading into fall, you're gonna get a better understanding of a bartender's mindset and how cocktails change on the menu. And if you got a favorite cocktail during a specific season, Let's hear it in the comments on YouTube or Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick and this is Above the Char. 2019 has been a very bad year for whiskey. Not from a sales perspective or even a quality angle. Actually, domestic sales are nice and I've tasted a lot of great new releases. I'm speaking about the news. From the international tariffs costing distillers millions to the Bullet family drama that led to Tom Bullet stepping down, whiskey's been a daily soap opera this year, finding itself trending for all the wrong reasons. For example, last week videos surfaced of MMA star Conor McGregor pouring shots for folks at a Dublin bar. The crowd skewed older and didn't really seem to be into the celebrity. When Connor offered shots of his proper 12 whiskey, one man hunkered over the bar, didn't want one or said something to Connor. I don't know what really happened. But like a cobra striking, McGregor's fist hit the side of the man's head. It happened so fast that I missed the punch and wouldn't have seen it if TMZ didn't zoom in and slow motion it. Indeed, McGregor's a professional fighter and is lightning quick. But he punched an old man over a dispute with his whiskey. That's a true turd move. But for me, the story isn't just about McGregor. It's the fact somebody partnered with him, knowing of the potential consequences, and put whiskey in the bottle he represented. Proper 12 is awful, by the way. And nobody really viewed McGregor's incident as a whiskey story. Rather, it's a celebrity story. But for those of us who cover whiskey professionally, we often get pulled into covering these things, and it takes away the romance and the fun of a good drink. And I hate it. I can pinpoint the exact moment when my bourbon innocence was lost. When covering the theft of the Pappy Van Winkle and Wild Turkey bottles and barrels a few years ago, I studied the police reports and saw that one of the arrested persons was suspected of possessing child pornography. Up until that point, even covering the illegal activity surrounding whiskey was fun. After that, I realized that not even our beloved spirit is protected from shitbags. 
and I often fondly look back to the moment just before I learned the evils of some, when whiskey was just about the grains, water, yeast, stills, barrels, and warehouses. How great it would be where I was just talking about the whiskey. Instead, we have the news of the day. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, did you know I curated a super cool auction for the Speed Museum? It's September 19th and called The Art of Bourbon. Learn more at speedmuseum.org. That's speedmuseum.org. Until next week, cheers. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Welcome back to the episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Fred and Kenny here making the trek to northern Kentucky in the Covington area at a, I don't know, this is a pretty fancy place. I'm surprised they even kicked this out yet. Yeah, this is like the the castle of the north for uh, for Kentucky. So mm-hmm. northern Kentucky, we are with the queen of the north. So, <laughs> and, and we'll introduce them in here in a second, but I mean, we're at the Met Club. I mean, I was just, mm-hmm. I was walking in and I was like, they usually pick, kick people out like me in here. So it's, well, and normally I'm, I'm, rowdy. normally I'm dressed for a place like this, but not, <laughs> yeah, no not, not today. today, not today. I'm beach shirt, hat, and, uh. Um, socks I wore yesterday. You going on a vacation sometime? <laughs> is that what it is? You're kind of getting in that mood. You know, actually, no, it's a matter, um, 
we had some uh, some work done in the house today, and I don't dress up for the repair man. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get the they don't get the Sunday's best they don't, from no, Fred. They don't get the good ascot. <laughs> <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about cocktails, and and this is a, a really this was also a a, a listener inspired idea because. Bourbon is really starting to come and and be a big contributor to the cocktail culture. Um, it you know there's you talk to any distillery they say oh like it's all about drinking a neat mixing with a cocktail it's great for this and this and this and it's also inspired uh, you know a revolution of things that we've seen also with inside of pop culture with Manhattans and old fashions that have really kind of skyrocketed as some of the the premier cocktails that are out there that are some are all whiskey focused. Yeah, I mean, this story is about, you know, 15 years old, but what, what started to change in the evolution of, uh, of bourbon cocktails is that people aren't trying to force it anymore. In particular, like I, for a long time, you saw people trying to create like a bourbon equivalent to the margarita. Like that, I, you know, you that don't have bourbon happening. Ritas? You ever had a bourbon Rita? <laughs> it's, it's not, you can't force <laughs> it. Um, you know, so you, you're starting to see like true, um, you know, people like focus more on, on bourbon that complements it. The people are not trying to force it to be something it's not. And bourbon, in, in my opinion, is not the most mixable spirit. Um, you, you know, you definitely have some. You you can't go everywhere with it. It's very finite, and that's one of the reasons why bourbon uh, really struggled in the '60s was because they were trying to get people to mix it like they mix vodka. So they were they were promoting. Uh, bourbon and orange juice, which did not really appeal to that audience. I don't think it appeals today. No. So, so the I think finally for the first time, um, at least from what I'm studied uh, in the history of bourbon, I think we have finally found bourbon's place in the growth of the cocktail bar. And that's a great way to kind of introduce both our guests because both of our guests are really pioneering and spearheading a lot of the the, the cocktail culture um, around this area and around the United States as well. So today on the show, we have Molly Wellman. Molly is the owner of, of Jeps as well as Molly's Brands. And we've got Bill Whitlow of Rich's Proper and the Cocktail Creative Consulting. So Molly and Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So before we kick it off and talk about cocktails, kind of talk about your journey into spirits. Like how did it happen? Because I'm sure that there's always always some good story behind this. Take it away. You go first. Uh, I guess mine's, I feel like mine's a little typical. I've, I, I've been bartending for around 20 years, uh, but for the longest time I was slinging out Budweiser's and Jagerbombs and Chelsea Tequila at steakhouses with muddled old fashions and shaken Manhattans, and it's kind of what we did. Uh, what until I was behind the bar for about probably 10 years before I went to New Orleans and had a Sazerac at you know, down in mm-hmm. New Orleans like at the Monteleone, had a real cocktail uh, down there for a music festival and kind of opened my eyes a bit. Uh, and then when I moved to Louisville and uh, started managing the bar at the Seelbach Hotel, uh, really got the chance to play around with like a real chef. Uh, Bobby Benjamin was a chef at the time and really got to play around with flavors and actually have a whole bar full of Basically, anything we wanted. We were a hotel that did tons of money, and they didn't care what I bought, and they didn't care what I wasted. Uh, so that was the first time uh, I really got a chance to do whatever I wanted and play around, and that gave me a chance to do a lot of self-discovery as well as learning from an amazing chef. 
then when I went over and started managing over at Dot Crows in Louisville, uh, Worked with a guy named Jackie from Old Force or Jackie Zycan, and never she, heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> she taught me a lot about technique because I never, I didn't take, you know, teach myself that. Uh, and she taught me really how to stir, how to shake, you know, proper dilution, things like that. And then when I went on with a company uh, called Goodfellas Pizzeria um, for mm-hmm. a number of years, they kind of gave me complete autonomy, let me kind of just run with it, and we were able to set up some really cool things there and. I just have a lot of fun with a lot of cocktails and expand past just the bourbon that they're known for, but also play around in all kinds of different realms. And well, now here we're we own our own restaurant, me and my wife, and yeah, play around and have more fun. Well, that's awesome. So, was there? Uh, I know you'd mentioned your time down on uh, Bourbon Street. You know, we all love New Orleans, maybe for different reasons uh, than just the cocktails. But depends on the mood. It's, 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 it's a party. It's a party city. Um, but is, was there a, a pivotal moment when you started seeing like bourbon become a a a, a key staple behind the bar? Yeah, it was before New Orleans. Uh, when I started bartending. We we were a pretty high volume restaurant, a nicer restaurant in town in Lexington, and uh, we had four bourbons behind the behind the bar. Mm-hmm. And then I remember when I was at another steakhouse within the same company, we had like ten bourbons behind the bar. That was like two thousand three, uh, and then like a year or two later, we expanded to like twenty bourbons behind the bar, and we got this thing called Lot B, and I. Couldn't understand why, you know, when we sold out of it that we weren't allowed to get any more. I was just like, <laughs> so I managed to just order more. We just need more of it. People are drinking of it. Order it. You yeah. know, I was, it was kind of an awakening uh, as I saw that growth. And then uh, it grew exponentially from there. Absolutely. Molly, let's hear your, your coming of age tale here. Yeah. Now, I, you know, it's funny. I worked in high-end retail forever. I, worked, I lived in San Francisco. And then uh, I got into the service industry. I got kind of thrown behind the bar. And uh, the only thing I knew how to make was a Manhattan because I drank them all the time mm-hmm. because I was in high-end retail. And that's the only <laughs> thing that I, 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 I like saved me. Anyway, um, when I got thrown in, I was like, just push the Manhattans. It's the only thing I know how to make. But um, I grew. You know, I, I learned uh, how to make different drinks and stuff. Not not to the craft and, and classic uh, cocktails that um, I'm known for now. But um, when I moved back to Cincinnati – in uh, like 10 years ago, I started this place called Chalk, right? Kind of like right over there. <laughs> and um, they were like, we need somebody who can do craft and classic cocktails. I'm like, oh, I could totally do that. I had no idea. But mm-hmm. I went home, Googled it, and I fell down the rabbit hole. And that was it. I loved every bit of it. I studied. I read every um, old cocktail book I could get my hands on. I love the idea that – I love the, the thing that – Every single drink seemed to have a story, and I loved that I could, you know, learn history through cocktails. I just loved it. So um, I've I've never looked back. So it's been it's been eleven years now that I've been doing craft and classic cocktails, mm-hmm. and um, I love studying them still. I love writing about them. I love uh, uh, still entertaining people behind the bar. Um, you know, they get a drink, they get a story with it. It's like my favorite thing. What, what kind of stuff can you study with a cocktail? I mean, you, you said you, that you study. I mean, like, what 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 kind of? I mean, is it like a history based? Is it just kind of knowing where the origins of it? Like, what kind of talk about that? A kind bit? of, kind of the origins. It's kind of it's almost like a treasure hunt. So I find it. You know, I look through old cocktail books from over a hundred years ago. I, I love to read the first part of them. There's something about like how um, bartenders really took um, this job so seriously. You know, it was such a um, Every aspect of the job is like laid out in the first, you know, 
books, the technique, the first part, you know, part of the cocktail books, the techniques, um, the glassware, the ingredients that were used, you know, it's fascinating. You know, it really is. It's, it's the same, but different than it is now, you know? And then going through some of the cocktails, some of them are real boring, and you're like, well, that's exactly the same as this one, except the, you know, the measurements are a little different. Um, but then you come upon one, and you're like, oh, that sounds so interesting. I, why would I think about that, you know? And then I want to know everything about it, or it has a weird name. I'm like, well, why did they call it this, you know? I want to know. So then I start digging, and I start looking through. You, you're, it's amazing, like, all these different um resources you can find that you can find the stories where this cocktail came from or kind of get an idea of where in history and why they were drinking this certain cocktail. Does that make sense? Yeah. One, really one, cool. uh, one story that we've, we had a fun conversation about one time was the Ricky. Yeah. And like how that, how the Ricky, the Ricky. came to be. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, this reminds you ever seen the movie, yeah. Get Him to the Creek? No. Yes. Like, no. Yes. What's a Jeffrey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's not going down that side. <laughs> so share share with the audience. This this is an example of of like how cool like cocktail history can be. Molly, yeah. share with us the, the story of the of the gin rickies and the rickies. So the gin ricky is a really interesting one. Um, there was a guy named Joe Ricky. He was um, a veteran of the Civil War, and he was in Washington, you know, Washington D.C. And he would go and he would drink every night at this bar called Shoemakers, which isn't around anymore. Um, but he had this idea, like. He, he had this idea of being healthy, you know, and he felt that sugar and sweet things um, would affect his his blood and make him sick. So he didn't like anything sweet. So the original Ricky was not made with gin. It was actually made with rye, rye and lime juice. He squeeze a half a lime in a glass, drop in the rind, and then fill it with rye. It's kind of really disgusting with the rye because it's really <laughs> acidy. Um, and then eventually it turned to, you know, to gin, which is a lot better. Ice and then soda water on top. And that's the gin ricky. And it has no sugar in it whatsoever. Now, the gin ricky, there's different kinds of gin. So the gin ricky would usually always be made with an old Tom gin, which was a sweetened gin, which is weird because he thought that's sugar. But I guess that didn't count with the old Tom gin. But, yeah, that's the ricky pretty much in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. But yeah. see, that, see the, the, the story there is a— uh, um, a bartender, you know, was very focused on his health, and that you know he creates an entire style of of cocktails. And mm-hmm. you know, oh, by the way, where he's you know his bar, he's probably influencing a lot of very important people uh, for the time in D.C. So yeah, he actually wasn't a bartender. He was a he was the lobbyist, and he got the bartender at Shoemakers to make this for him. So I mean, but still to this day, people in Washington D.C. drink gin rickies. It's there like the best summer drink in Washington, D.C. And we're already kind of leading on to the, what we were talking about is like this is cocktails for the right occasion. And so you're talking about the summertime and, yeah. and having a gin ricky. And, and let's kind of hit some of those different seasons of the year. Um, so you already started off with summer. I think it's probably prudent we kind of just start there. So we got gin ricky. What other kind of cocktails are going to be good for an, a, just a, we'll say a, a, a back porch drink and kind of, kind of an afternoon? How about that? You want to go? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty simple when it comes to summer cocktails. I love egg white cocktails. That's yeah. the, oh, the you're soft my wife's and language sweet. There. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm trash. I mean, I love sweet cocktails. <laughs> I love desserts. I love sweet wines. Uh, I'm not your normal. So I love sweet egg white cocktails. Uh, you know, so like sours, whiskey sours. sours. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I love fizzes, things like that. And then just 
course, whatever other bartenders kind of come up with. Like mm-hmm. uh, Pisco sours are actually one of my absolute favorite things in the world. Take, take um, one of your favorites right there and kind of kind of talk about some of the ingredients because I know a lot of our listeners are probably they're curious. They they hear they hear the pisco sour. They hear some of these things with the egg whites, but they kind of want to know like what 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 really entails into this that um, really like a, a, a craftsman such as you all could actually create. Oh, uh, well, like a pisco sour. It's a it's a classic from Peru, Chile, South America. It simply uses simple syrup, lime juice, egg white, and pisco. Uh, right now on our cocktail menu, we change it up just a little bit uh, by throwing in a uh, little bit of the Mexican soda, the Doritos, mm-hmm. uh, the guava, uh, and then throwing some uh, rum barrel aged tobacco and leather bitters on top. Uh, and it changes the whole aspect. It makes it slightly sweeter. Uh, we actually throw a little Aperol in there as well to counterbalance uh, some of the sweetness. You gonna and put any CBD oil in there? <laughs> you know, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. There's a there's kind of a hippie music festival coming up in like a month. Yeah. Uh, I know this is kind of times, but uh, we're thinking about making some CBD cocktails <laughs> for going into that uh, got that hippie festival. Just why not? I haven't tried it before, and I know it's a it's a pretty upcoming thing. They were everywhere in Las Vegas, and I went there. And I brought, oh, I'm sure I Vegas. Like, uh, <laughs> they had like balloons filled with CBD air. It was just nuts. So I was like, "What the world?" I didn't even know you could do that. I didn't either. It was crazy. <laughs> I actually had to like call the ABC office and make sure we were allowed to do that. No, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't have anything against it yet." Yeah, <laughs> they they emphasized yet. Mm-hmm. I could totally see you as a Clover Club guy. Uh, no, I dig a good Clover Club. Yeah. Uh, I put that on the menu before. I, just people didn't order so much of them when I did All right. it. So oh, no. oh, you're not speaking hard. our language. I know. What's, I, a, what's I, a Clover Club here? Clover yeah, you, you go for it. it. I love the Clover Club. I, we just had it on my menu. There you go. Um, so the Clover Club is a classic from the ni- from 1900. And it was created for a gentleman's club that met every Thursday in Philadelphia at this um, hotel called the Stanford Bellevue Hotel. Right? And... Like every one, it's like the last third, the uh, third Thursday of every month they'd meet. And these guys would dress up to the nines and they would, um, you know, all have drinks before dinner. And then they would be led into this room that had this big table that was shaped in a clover, in a clover, you know, um, set up, you know, and they would have this like ceremony, you know, where the youngest member of the the Clover Club would have to like first sit in a baby chair, I kid you not a high chair. And um, until one of the members was like, okay, you can get up from the baby chair. And this is an adult, you know, an adult man. And then he would have to go around with the Clover Club sharing cup. And then everyone would take a sip out of the um, the Clover Club sharing cup. I still, I have no idea what the drink is, but apparently the chef would come up with whatever concoction was in this like flowing cup, right? That would they pass. I have no idea what it is. I can't find it. But then they sit down to dinner and through the courses, you know, it would be like, I think the second to last course, they would have this cocktail or a punch. And in 1900, they had the Clover Club, which is a combination of gin, raspberry syrup, um, dry vermouth, and, um, and then uh, egg white, and it's shaken, you know, so frothy. And it's this beautiful, it has like this beautiful sweet flavor, but the dry vermouth kind of dries it out a bit. It's absolutely gorgeous. It really is. And I could totally see you. It's that it's one of my jams. Yeah. yeah it's so good. <laughs> now it, it evolved after prohibition. They kind of dropped the dry vermouth and then they put lemon with it. So it kind of turned into a pink lady. So this is a cocktail that evolved. But it's fantastic. We still put dry vermouth in ours. Do you? We, we, we dug it. Yeah. I, I do both. So it depends on 
uh, you know, what's what I'm fancying. So. Yeah, I was like, it'd be hard to have Fred and I go to a bar and order a pink lady. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's just something about the name. If you, if, well, you if you don't know anything about it, I think there's a— If I'm going to drink a cocktail, it's— I mean, pink lady. <laughs> <laughs> but if you did order pink lady, I'd tell you that history of where it came yeah. from, you know? Like, here's how this evolved. You know, it came from this gentleman's club. and But it goes for, I mean, it wouldn't have, it would have, it probably would have fizzled out if it wasn't for George Bolt, who was the owner of the Stanford um, Bellevue Hotel, who went on to help open up the Wardoff Astoria in New York. And he brought that recipe with him, making it popular. Mm-hmm. So really fascinating. That is it. fascinating. So that was summer. We captured summer yeah. there a little bit. <laughs> well, I got one more for summer because uh, I'm a big fan of the gold rush. Um, are oh, you, yeah. what, 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 kind of, what, kind of, what kind of season do you all see that? Any. <laughs> yeah, right? I was going to say summer, fall, but I mean, honey really falls anytime for me. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's funny. Like I'm in a very similar favorite cocktail. The Brown Derby is my oh, favorite cocktail. And the, the gold Derby. rush and Brown Derby kind of related. Ooh. Can you all kind of talk about the the different components of each one of these as well as so our listeners understand that they're not they're googling like oh crap, I don't know what a, <laughs> I don't know what cuz I'm not a sure what a brown derby is and I couldn't tell you everything that goes inside of a gold rush either. Yes. So So the brown derby is bourbon, grapefruit juice and honey. It's really simple. But when you use the honey, you have to make sure that you water it down, make a honey syrup, because otherwise you will put honey into this drink and it will turn into a glob of a ball in Mm -hmm. the bottom of your drink because you're adding ice to it. So one part honey, one part sugar, make a a syrup, a honey syrup. And then um, it's about two ounces of bourbon. Um, I put an ounce of um, um, grapefruit and then a half ounce of honey. That's how I make mine. Nice. Yeah. And... uh you might have a history a little better than this. I mean, you're a little better on history, but I mean, honey syrup, wasn't that, didn't they fight about that? Like back in the day, like uh, the, during the Tiki Wars yeah. and they were trying to figure out how to recreate each other's cocktails. And it was so simple as one person couldn't figure out how he was making the honey not glob up in a, in a drink. Yeah. Like Trader Vic had the, the, the formula. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was between, I believe it was between uh, Don the Beachcomber and yes, Trader Vic. that's yeah. what it was. And they were trying to, it was, and all they had to do was add hot water. Yeah. <laughs> It's silly. <laughs> Stupid little things yeah. that are so obvious, and then you figure it out, and you're like, you know, face palming because mm-hmm. you should have figured that out a long time ago. So for for Kitty, you know, I know he's going to follow up with this. The Gold Rush, break that down. For I mean, everybody. Gold Rush is just as simple. It's the three part lemon, honey, gin. I, a lot of these cocktails, a lot of these classics, a lot of these things are easy, you know, renditions of each other, just replacing one ingredient mm-hmm. with another. Uh, I mean, you can go to the daiquiri, which is another three-part, you know, just some sort of lime, rum, mm-hmm. uh, gimlets, gin, lime. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all these different ways of just doing your two, three-quarter, three-quarter uh, kind of sour recipes and yeah. tart recipes. Well, good. Okay, so Fred already kind of alluded to it. Let's kind of move on to the next season. Let's let's enter the the fall and winter time because it's you know, you're a little little mm-hmm. darker, a little warmer. Kind of kind of talk about what are your favorites during those those periods. Well, I mean, for fall, it's, I mean everything bourbon, I think, and dark rums. I think it's so beautiful. Yeah, I was say rum cocktails yeah. is also what I get into at so, that time. Something warm and and cozy. I mean, I, I get into the warm. I know it's more. Um, more winter. I think I get really excited in the fall when that, you know, that first cool breeze starts to come and that first leaf falls. Um, I want to start making toddies all over the place. I mean, already. I don't, I do. Uh, hot apple cider is also, <laughs> yeah, I know, but then, I know that. that's up your alley yeah. too. And that's kind of grabs my jam yep. in, uh, we in get the fall season. Local cider and put it like heat it up. And then we add, you know, whatever, whatever liquor, usually it's bourbon mm-hmm. or, uh, or rum. 
uh, the cider and it's like everybody's favorite. It's awesome. So, yeah. And people really start grabbing on like heavy bitters cocktails more so even mm-hmm. in the fall than in the winter. Yeah. Uh, cause I think in the winter they're used to, you know, getting cold at that point. You just want stirred boozy bourbon cocktails, mm-hmm. but I can do a lot of crazy bitters cocktails in the fall. Uh, you know, just turning things like I have a one I do with like bourbon and apple and ginger beer, but then a ton of, uh, barely bitters and it, almost tastes like an apple cider and you'll just kind of get into those really, but like not like herby. Yeah. Herby. I don't, I don't like those cocktails. You know, the, the whole Amaro thing, it's not my jam. I, you know, I have a lot of bartenders who are like, love Amaros. Amaros are uh, Italian bitter uh, spirits pretty much. In the right way. And- in the right way, yeah. I, guess. I hate shooting it. Like, I, I uh, shoot me. Uh, I probably will get shot for being a bartender who's not a big fan of Fernet. Oh. Uh, High five, brother. Yeah, <laughs> I can't stand I, I, I'll drink it if you buy it for me. Yeah. It's not like uh, Rumple that I'll just throw away. But um, yeah. I, I, you'll never, ever see me order a shot of Fernet. And I, that's what every bartender out there. And Kenny, just so you know, this is a this is an industry thing. Like the bar, like you go out with a bunch of bartenders, somebody inevitably gets a round of Fernet. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's like uh, someone, you know, Fernet has, uh, you know, is, you know, putting little envelopes all over the uh, country <laughs> to bartenders, the <laughs> like, or something. But it's like, uh, who in their right mind would order it? It kind of reminds me of so uh, I saw I saw a picture the other day on the internet that said there's a secret society of people living among us that are still keeping Long John Silver's in business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, so this is probably like that same that same analogy. That's so true. That place is gross. Yeah. Oh, it gives me like the shivers just thinking about it. It's, it's, I, and I got to say, Molly, you know, when we went to fall cocktails, I was kind of shocked that you didn't talk about a punch. Well, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I was getting there. Okay. Because <laughs> I know how much you love punch. I do. I love punch. I think it's, um, first of all, it, it saves every party. It saves every host hostess at a party, you know. Um, but the history behind the punches are... Um, are the it's the best. I mean, there's one. It's it's more of a I think a Christmas punch, but I start serving it in the fall. The uh, Admiral Russell's mm. um, punch is is so great. I mean, it has um, it's it's brandy and sherry, and um, those are the two main things. And then uh, lemon, and uh, and then there's a sweet to it as well. So punch means five in Hindi. So five different components. Uh, spirit, I did not know that. Spirit, sweet, uh, sour. Water and 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 uh, spice. That is how. That's a template for a really good punch. And punches date back almost 500 years. You know, it started um, when you know Europeans started. You know, traveling all over the world. You know, um, putting merchant companies into different parts of the world. Uh, the English pretty much in in, in uh, India. Uh, and then once they get to this, you know, this country, you know, the uh, native people trying to make sure that everybody's refreshed. You got to think like people just didn't get off the boat and are like, give me water. You know, they <laughs> did it. They absolutely did it. Like, I need a drink, you know. And it, usually it was liquor or something that was um, some kind of alcohol. And they couldn't safer. trust the water. If they <laughs> drank the water. They'd get sick. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very, a lot of people didn't drink water. You know, they drank you know, uh, ale or wine, you know, or spirits. So making sure that everybody got refreshed in this hot country, you know, pulling all their resources together, mixing it all together in a big bowl to make it palatable. 
punch. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> so it sounds like it was just like a, a means to survive of what punch really right. became. Well, think about this. So the Admiral Russell. So I'm going to tell you the story. There was a guy named Admiral Russell. He was in the English Army, 1600s, and he was traveling up the coast of Spain. And he decided on Christmas Day to get off and throw a party in the uh, city of Cadiz. And uh, in Cadiz, they had this huge fountain in the middle of, like, the governor's um, courtyard or something like that or the town. And uh, he's like, well, we're going to use that as a punch bowl. So they poured in, you know, these big, you know, barrels of brandy and and sherry, spit of sherry, and then added limes and added everything. And they, it was so big and there was so many, it was like 600 people there. They had to get the cabin boy from the boat in, in a little lifeboat to serve the punch. Everybody got naked, they drank the place dry, and then everybody had a great hangover the next day. So <laughs> I always think how cool it would be if I could do this at Fountain Square in Cincinnati, if I get the mayor to let me like use Fountain Square. It is a drinking fountain. You know, I could use it as a punch bowl. Would you recommend everyone get naked? Yeah, too? I was about to say, well, that's my, yeah, that's my follow-up. I mean, gosh, we're not that conservative in Cincinnati. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. It's there's a, conservative there's a naked fun it run is, around here somewhere. Well, you there? know, if it, anybody's going to like break that conservative, you know, boat, it's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to all our listeners out there, start uh, petitioning the Cincinnati <laughs> mayor for uh, Molly's uh, oh, naked fountain party. He's going to love me. Oh, God. <laughs> it's not come back to bite you in the I ass. Know. <laughs> well, and maybe that could happen, too, at the party. Yeah, I know. You never know. <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not blushing or anything. No, no that no. sounds awesome. But, I, but, I, want, I want the invite to this party. Yeah, it'll be epic. <laughs> but, yes, punch is great. It really is. It's so easy to do. That's good. I mean, that's, that's a history of punches that, that I had never known about. Uh, seriously up until now. But, you know, the other thing that we want to kind of talk about too is, you know, I guess we'll, we'll stay on the cocktails, the right occasion kind of part, kind of talk about, um, say, say Fred and I, where, you know, we're taking our wives out. What's, what's that, that kind of cocktail bourbon kind of cocktail that, that somebody could go out on a date with their wife, uh, nice romantic place and maybe kind of maybe guide her in a way to say like, you need to try this other kind of good bourbon cocktail. Because my wife isn't. Are you asking how to mansplain to her? No, <laughs> me. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out, like, how can I get my wife to drink more bourbon cocktails? Oh, right? all right. And I know, I know, this is a Ryan Ryan problem too, because his wife is only he only drinks wine, and she and can't. She Molly can't. knows this. I don't got that problem with Jacqueline. No. I got the opposite oh. problem. <laughs> I come home from being out of town, and then you know my 30th anniversary of Booker's is like down to here. It's like. You just drink straight from the bottle. It's like, no, I was, I've been making whiskey sours with it. And I'm like, oh! oh yeah, been there. Oh. Uh, we, we, uh, we were finishing up a New Year's Eve one uh, evening. We got home late night from the bar, and we had a couple friends over. And I was like, hey, let me pour a shot of bourbon for everybody. Let's celebrate. And I was like, yeah, just go grab, grab a bottle, pour some shots. She comes back, and we all take a shot. All kind of wince, and it was a, uh, it was, it was definitely a barrel-proof OKI twelve-year like oh. private pick. Uh, you know, wow. they're like the one twenties, one thirties, whatever. And I was like, well, that happened. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's not it's gonna get a little shorter, but I have to, I have to do. My husband doesn't drink bourbon, which I married. That's the reason why I married him because they usually always a designated driver. Yeah, that well, yeah. not that much, but he doesn't get into my bourbon collection except if he has like a tattoo guy because he's a tattooer. When somebody's visiting and they're in the bourbon, he'll open up my, you know, my pantry, which used to have all my bourbon in it, and I'll be like, 
well, pick one, you know? <laughs> the and, world is your oyster. Yeah. I, he got in one time to my two, uh, 2013 uh, Elmer T. Lee that was given to me by Elmer T. Lee, <laughs> oh, you know, a while ago, signed, and it was like cherished, you know. Drank the whole thing. I was so mad. I almost divorced him. I was like, no, <laughs> no. no. You like, you like went I, home with this table. I have legs. a section that has like bottles that you cannot touch. It's like, oh, oh. right. She can't even reach it. Uh, I, I think she knows at that point. If she can't reach it, don't touch it. My uh, wife, will, my wife will climb <laughs> the <will>. shelf <laughs> to get it. Oh, he he wants me not to have that one. Yeah. And so she ended up she ended up having a, a bourbon that I couldn't touch. Oh. She got a uh, a. a Bourbon women barrel pick. Oh. And uh like Peggy is the one who gifted it to her. She's like, Fred can't have any of this. And so to the, you know, uh, I couldn't have any until I eventually got permission. And when I got permission, I drained that motherfucker. <laughs> 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 anyway, I know he's gonna yeah, I know we, 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 we gotta we gotta figure out we gotta figure out like how you know, I, I think what Kenny's looking for I'm thinking yeah. like the gateway. Is, what is a yeah. what is a gateway cocktail to get people into bourbon? I know. It's a seal buck. I know it's like whatever cocktail mm, you know. A few of those. Yeah. I mean it works. It works. The seal buck cocktail is a champagne cocktail. And it had a story that a lot of people thought was true. And then we found out it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, I, I worked at the, I was the bar manager at the seal buck before the you know, huge Wall Street Journal article that kind of threw out the old historic story of the cocktail. And it hurt me a ton because I had yeah. used it even after I left the seal box to introduce people to bourbon. And I've still got people that come see me to drink the seal box cocktail. Yeah. Uh, I had a couple who came in for their anniversary the other night and they've been drinking them from me for years. Uh, and it just hurt my soul when I went out of <laughs> yeah. Adam Seeger was just like, Fraudulent on Bill, your thing. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Well, I think it's safe to say that everything in the uh, spirits business is bullshit. Mm. You know, touche yeah. so. and true. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your book, uh, what is it? Bourbon Curious? Yeah. Uh, I read that a few times. It, yeah. Oh, thank it you. It talks a bit about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, you can't trust anything. Nope. I mean, the, the Ricky story is, is pretty legit yeah. because the guy wasn't really in the business. Mm-mm. You know, he was a real guy. Well, he back was. in the day before smartphones, all the bartenders were full <laughs> of shit, too. It was yeah. a lot easier to get away with. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. We, I didn't throw anything but, at you. It was fantastic. But, you know, a great story is a great story. And it yeah. does create an experience no matter if it's true or not. So They say, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's right. Exactly. So tell us about um, the Seelbach. What's the best bourbon to use there? What's the best champagne? So, how, how do you make it work? I I like first of all I like to use a sugar cube. I don't know if you use a sugar cube. Do you use sugar? I, I don't. No. Uh, I use just a splash of simple syrup. Oh, cool. It's about consistency and I like the, I like the sugar cube because I love the little crystals that go through it. So a sugar cube, I douse it with both Angostura and uh, Peychaud bitters. I'm heavy on the Peychauds and I yep. am the Angostura. Yeah, a little more citrusy. Just for, uh, yeah, it makes yeah. it a little more crowd-pleasing. Yeah. Uh, the Seelbach, even at the hotel, I had it sent back when I would do super heavy on both. Yeah. When I started bringing down the Angostura a little bit, yeah. it like, oh, became more up. palatable for the masses. So that, and then uh, I I like to use uh, just Four four Roses yellow label for um, Seelbach because it seems oh. to be a little lighter. You Old know? Forester for me. Forester. I love Old Forester, but there's something about, I don't know, the when I like, when I make, uh, for some reason, a Four Roses yellow label has a lighter, um, uh, lighter something about it for these lighter cocktails. I use that you know? in another one of my cocktails. It's one of the most popular on our menu. Yeah. Uh, I actually like the 
the old force because it's a little bit of spice it has yep, come, like that. to go against yeah. the, uh, the, the, champagne the champagne and a little mm-hmm. bit of sweetness in there. Yeah. Uh, so, well, and then I top it off usually with a dried Prosecco and then the champagne. Yeah, so. Any dry, but we have used Prosecco yeah. or you know, dry champagne. And do you, it's, do you use triple sec or do you use like a nice dry here? Oh, I use, I make my own triple sec. So I okay, use my cool. own triple sec, just a little dash. Yeah. That's an orange, um, liqueur. So, uh, that brings it all together. And there's something about this. So you still can taste the bourbon, but it's not overpowering because it's lightened up with the champagne. Um, so any, any not not just and it's women. it's not heavy it's not, bourbon. But, you just but, use a little, it's an yeah. ounce of bourbon in what I make. So it's not like overpowering people oh, trying it first. I use an ounce and a half. <laughs> I use an ounce and a half ounce of the triple. Yeah. We're no, seeing cool. a lot of differences between mm-hmm. these it's two really on just a simple cocktail. Yeah. This is fascinating. No, I, I, that's the I don't great, think there's the right answer. That's why, no, I, that's why me and Mo have been friends for a long time. Yeah. It's because we understand that. It's the great thing. If, um, you know, there's, there's certain cocktails, you know, everybody, like the old fashioned for instance, everybody makes their old fashioned different. They really do. I don't, I don't think I've ever had, unless it's a, a bartender that I trained on how I make my b- old fashions. I don't think I have ever had an old fashioned I mean, same. Hopefully they're making it the same way you talk. Well, yeah, they better. You know, they <laughs> sometimes better. you find out that's even wrong. Yeah, I, I've done that. Before. I've had that before where people are like, no, we're going to muddle this. I'm like, no, not in my bar. We're not doing that. <laughs> Have you seen the YouTube video of the woman oh, talking about yeah. how to make well, glug, glug, oh, glug, glug, somebody put that on Facebook like a ha- last half a, night? Yeah, yeah. half a seven fifty. Oh, I mean, we used to top them with soda. Like, I used to call that the steakhouse old-fashioned. Uh, you know, that's how I learned it. When you went back in the early 2000s, we were, you know, we were muddling orange and cherry and throwing a couple sugar packets in there and soda water. And it was – and this is a white tablecloth steakhouse that you're yeah. paying $10 a cocktail for. At least you didn't, like, just take a, a thing of simple syrup and go, you know, like, just – I've been to a, play, a bourbon place. A bourbon place downtown, not going to say where. And the guy was making these old fashions. He's just like, it was like probably like a full ounce and a half of simple syrup in the glass and then bourbon on top. And then um, uh, and then he would just throw a cherry and an orange in there. I was like, oh, my God. That's a- I think we both know some places around here that Tragic. we might not go drink old fashions oh, at and we might drink bourbon at. No, no. Is it hard for you to go places when you see <laughs> when you see other people like creating cocktails and you're kind of like, Send it back. Like, I mean, yeah. do, do you do that? I mean, what's your? There, I have. I mean, not not because I. Well, there's been people who don't who didn't understand the egg white thing that you have to sh- actually shake it a lot. And mm-hmm. it got outlawed in some it's, areas. So there are some cities mm-hmm. that have outlawed egg whites. Horrible. Yeah. So I've sent things back. That, I mean, it was slimy. Still, it wasn't. It didn't have the aeration of the egg. And I've sent back old fashions because they were just so sweet. Like it just was disgusting. So usually though. I don't do that. Any- I just order a bourbon on the rock. <laughs> yeah, I don't drink cocktails a whole I, I drink more cocktails when I'm out of town. Yeah. For too. some reason, when I'm out of town yeah. in a different city, it's kind of inspirational. It's kind of like yeah. getting a feel for where you're at mm-hmm. to drink more cocktails. Or if I'm at a, you know, a new restaurant or bar in town that I haven't, yeah. you know, had cocktails at. But if I'm going to visit my friends at their bar, I'm not ordering cocktails yeah. from them hardly yeah. ever. They might make me something they want me to try, but I mean, drinking a beer or bourbon. Yeah, yeah. I I don't drink beer, so I drink, I drink bourbon. A lot. Or I drink a martini. Yeah. Um, I drink beef eater martinis or Plymouth martinis, depending on my gin. Good. Yeah, yeah. I love gin. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so let, let's go back to like the um, the entry level kind of cocktails. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? 
give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. So let, let's go back to like the, um, the entry level kind of cocktails. One that I have found is almost a surefire winner. Not really on a lot of people's radars, and that's bourbon slushies. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, I have yet to find someone who didn't like bourbon, but I introduced them to like a really nice bourbon slushie recipe, and they were just wowed. Do you mm-hmm. guys do anything with slushies? I have a, I have a snow cone thing. <laughs> it's not Snoopy either. It's like <laughs> I have. It's like industrial. in Kentucky, it's harder for me. Um, it's kind of breaking the law to do those, and I'm. Pretty uh, stickler for those things. Uh, wait, a lot of the people that pre Hold on, some, wait. It's against the law to have a uh, slushy machine as a as with drinks in it in Kentucky. Yeah, really? Uh, people, yeah. If, uh, <laughs> oh, just, Molly, been breaking the law. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, Damn, you're, you're, you're in Ohio. That's completely legal in Ohio. No, I'm not doing that in Ohio. But man, I was going to open a slushy liquor bar in Kentucky, and now it's all flat out. <laughs> <laughs> right now, as if it stands right now in Kentucky, and I had to check this recently because uh, we wanted to do slushies. Uh, you, a spirit has to be served from its original container. Unless um, being direct, like uh, consumed immediately, so by their iteration in Kentucky, if it sits in a mixture less than 24 hours, then you can serve it out of a machine or a premix or things like that. If it sits over 24 hours, it's no longer legal. So, do you know rock and rye? So, yes. Yeah, so, no barrel aged. Oh, wow. Uh, we, when I was at my old uh, Goodfellas, we got rid of our house mango manchella. We got rid of our barrel aged wow. cocktails, all because there were some a couple people that got hit by the ABC on that. Eric really? Gregory, if you're listening to this, put you. this on the Kentucky Distillers Association's agenda. I don't mean yeah. to throw it out there. Sorry, it's, uh, we saw it happen Lee to um, uh, Hillbilly or not Hillbilly T. Was it Hillbilly T up in Hillbilly T? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. he got hit hard on that, and it shut him down. Uh, wow, I did not know that. Yeah, neither did I. Right. I watched a restaurant go down in flames because of something simple like that, and I don't. I'm not going to risk the entire business uh, doing that. We got a few emails to send after this one to some friends, don't oh, we? Shit. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. But I mean, rosé, things like that. It's okay. Like malt beverages, wine. Like that's not a high proof spirit. Yeah. You can do like low proof things like that. Uh, so, for slushy vermouth cocktails. Well, you said you actually brought something up that that I always love going places, and I've had good ones and I've had bad ones at barrel aged cocktails. Mm-hmm. Kind of like talk about your. Oh, we got a yes and a no over here. I don't like all right, going all. Uh, mm-hmm. go. No, it's crazy. You, that barrel aged that barrel aged uh, Lucien Gaudin we did uh, right across the street. I love that one. So I don't. I I love I love to use 
you know, aged products to make a fresh cocktail. I don't think it doesn't taste fresh when it comes out of like if you re if you make a cocktail, you make an, a, a Negroni or a Manhattan and you put it into a barrel. I hate that. I, I mean, really it kind of rounded out the rough edges. You had to um, do it correctly. Like, we would do two barrels. We took one barrel was our serving barrel, and we put paraffin wax on the inside so it's no longer reactive because mm-hmm. people will keep it in a fresh barrel where it becomes over-aged and right. then tannic it's and awful. then rough on your palate. If you get it to the right point and then change it over to a non-reactive barrel, uh, that's where I think you you keep it. Is the, so you would age yours to a uh, certain time. We'd age it to what we thought was right. And every time you use the barrel, it changes a little differently. Yeah. And it tastes a little different. So you're tasting it every couple of days after yeah. like a week or so. Oh, and I'm- then you bottle it. Yeah. Cap it. And then you have your serving contain- your, your serving barrel that we pair from wax. Oh, and okay. you would fill that Sweet. up and serve it from there. No. Oh, there no. we go. A lot of work. But <laughs> I, love, I love seeing fights break out. In front of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like them. No. No. We've had differences of opinion before. That's okay. I still like anything. him. I'm just not going to drink his barrel aged. <laughs> you know, I won't be making him anytime soon. So I got to tell you, I kind of lean with uh, Molly on my opinion of barrel aged cocktails. Um, like I have found them to be over tannic, way bittery. Uh, the essence of the spirit is often lost. And if there is any kind of. Uh, Citrus in it. I swear to God, oh. the oh, wow. acid. Wait, hold on. Somebody put nuts. citrus in a barrel. So you yes. can't put citrus in a barrel. No. Chocolate. That's just uh, that's you don't what do they've that. done. It. I think yeah. that's <laughs> the thing. Is like people think that they can just like make a cocktail and throw it into yeah. a barrel, anything, you know. And uh, they don't realize there's some oxidation that goes on. It's very unsafe. Um, I think. Uh, I just. I, I, you got to know what you're doing. It's like Molly knows what she's doing when she's making tobacco bitters. I do. But tobacco bitters are a dangerous product to make. Bartenders are playing around with activated charcoal. Yes. They're, they're playing around with things that they don't know fully about, and oh. they're it's not exactly Well, the safe. the nitrogen uh, one, mm-hmm. there's been a couple cases of, of customers like burning having their throat, yeah. burning their throat or having their stomach there cut out. There was a huge lawsuit yeah. uh, with George Clooney's old brand. They sold uh, – Caso, uh, Cosmigos. Cosmigos uh, yeah. They were having a party, like, even after he sold it or whatever, and somebody, like, literally was out of work for, like, eight months because they destroyed their esophagus on dry ice. So stupid. Wow. Yeah. Don't it? use dry ice at home. No. There's still so many things you should dum, use. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> well, let's keep the, uh, the the disagreements going here because <laughs> – <Hey! laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is another one where I think our listeners would be interested to kind of see – what is the right bourbon for the right type of cocktail? Because you've got you've got your weeded, you've got your high rise, you've got your low rise, you've got your craft that has sort of a more of a grainy flavor to it. So d- with these four, like where did they fit in inside? And of then the there's cocktail? one other kind, the kind where they're paying you to put it in the cocktail. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that happens <laughs> all the time. Seen that a lot. Yeah. The competitions and things. Like I guess this uh, will work. I, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I don't know if you agree, but I rarely, and this is going to be a kind of a blatant statement, uh, I rarely find that weeded bourbons go into cocktails for me. Uh, I get a smash. Yeah. Uh, but not too often do I use a weeded bourbon in cocktails. I, yeah, I don't use a lot of weed. I mean, unless I have to for, like, makers or something. But, right. Um, what, what, what do you mean, unless I have to? Well, like you said, like, like if, yeah. if they're, you know— Paying for it, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> I've done, done, a, done honest, a lot of yeah. makers things, and I, you know, but I, but I usually will like figure out the the cocktail for that. You know, mm-hmm. I really will. I mean, um, makers um, find to be uh, a little sweeter, so um, not 
and not as complex as a lot of the other bourbons. I love makers. Don't don't think that I'm like putting it down. I'm just <laughs> no, like no. telling you like what I think. But, it just gets so lost. you gotta like you gotta figure yeah. out like what to put in it so that it doesn't. I get like lost. makers in a smash. Right. And that's about the only thing I put in it. I love smashes. <laughs> that was like one of my favorite. Like um, or a bramble even. A bramble mm-hmm. works. I mean, I've made um, makers mark brambles. All right, you all gotta you remember you gotta I know, explain I know. these things. So it's just, <laughs> it's, not talking it's our language fruit, here. Fruit, um, smashed fruit, and. Um, uh, and then your spirit, and I, sometimes I put citrus in a bramble, and then top it off with spar- with club soda. Very simple, so, easy yeah. to make at home, kind mm-hmm. of bright cocktail. Yeah, it's like uh, a also, summer one. Going back yeah. to what you were saying, like <laughs> switching up the bourbons. There's lots of times where like a competition is happening, and you make it with a bourbon because you have to, but you know it yeah. tastes better with a different bourbon. Yeah, yeah. that's how I've done that plenty of times. Uh, all the where time, just switch it up and put it on the menu with a different bourbon, even though the competition yeah. required this and that. Mm-hmm. Alt, what's the ultimate? Bourbon mixing cocktail. What's the what's the ultimate cocktail mixing bourbon? I love Old Forester. That's uh, my yeah, jam. I mean, you are. I mean, you've been yeah. to my bar. I use Old yeah. Forester a lot. I will say, there's a bourbon. I'm gonna hate me for saying this. I'm not a big fan of Woodford Straight, but mm, I love Woodford in a cocktail. Neither am I. Yeah, oh god, and it don't, makes a don't great hate me. Julep, but like, I love my Old Forester. Yeah, but, but yeah, don't like straight. Uh, yeah. It's not my favorite. <laughs> they're double. A lot of yeah. other products have been like we said. We both love Old Forester. Yeah. But. If somebody buys me a Woodford, then I'm gonna drink oh, it. Yeah. But you know, but I'd rather drink Old Forester. The Old Forester signature is my jam. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I say Old Forester signature all the time, and it's not on the label anymore. And yeah. my bartenders know, get confused. I'm like, go get me a bottle of Old Forester signature. I noticed both of you all mentioned Four Roses Yellow label too. Ooh. Time to update the Ooh. vernacular there. Yeah, yeah. So, no, yeah. I, I mean, it's like, no, I love you using. You can tell you've been around the block a little bit <laughs> with how you reference the I, brands. I love using. Um, in, in my well, we use. Um, I use uh, ancient agent. Ten star if I can get it. If not, benchmark. We are ancient, then, age, ancient age is our well. Yeah, you know, that, not ancient agent, but. And then sometimes, uh, sometimes. Um, Evan Williams, if I can't find those other two. That's how it goes in Ohio, though. So those are great for mixing. If I make um, an old-fashioned, I use Old Granddad 100, uh, uh, bonded. Um, If I am making a Manhattan, usually it's Old Forester. You know, or you know, man, um, Maker's Mark makes a great old-fashioned. Do you have the Old Forester Rye in Ohio yet? So. What? The old force of rye. Yeah, do you have in Ohio? What, yeah. Do you have in Ohio now? No, uh, I wasn't sure. Finally, That's, finally I started using that in all my Manhattans. It's, it's so, so good. good. So good for you the know, price. I like rye in my Manhattans too, but I think in this area, there's something about a bourbon Manhattan. I don't know. Maybe it just goes back to that me working in high end retail and it was always with a bourbon. That's what I always <laughs> did it with. And I'd kind of gone back to using rye because yeah. uh, we use it also in black Manhattans, which we serve yeah. a ton of. And the rye helps cut through that Amaro a bit. So. Have you ever made white Manhattans? Have you ever used uh, unaged whiskey and made a Manhattan? Uh, I feel like I probably have at some point, but so I can't like. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You say unaged whiskey? Unaged whiskey, it's yeah. White dog. White dog. Really? Yeah. If you use, especially um, that, uh, what is it, the OMG, the. Um, Oh, what is it? What is it? Uh, out in Utah, what are they? Oh, I was. Yeah, thank like you. Gosh, silver totally blanking. Yeah, they're they're OMG. If it's still called that, I can't get it in Ohio. This is what I used in Kentucky. But that with um, orange bitters and then a, a dry vermouth instead. Holy moly! You're, or, a bigger, or, you're a bigger fan of white dog than I. Yeah, we've we discussed dog. this before. I, I, I enjoy it, but you like to sit around and just. Sip on it. I, yeah. I, I like that. At Buffalo Trace, mash one. She's uh, so she's good. old school. Love it. So uh, <laughs> when we look at, you know, bourbon cocktails, we tend to look at it from like it's it's a price thing. It's usually the $30 mm-hmm. and under. 
But there are some bartenders who will slap, you know, slap a little pappy in uh, in a cocktail shaker. Do you guys ever go crazy and put like an alley, super allocated uh, bourbon or rye in a cocktail? Yes, no. me too. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I got two ways of saying it. One, I, you're paying me the money. You're the one paying for the whiskey. I'll do it. You, you enjoy it your way. But anytime anyone's ever ordered a Pappy and Coke from me, my way of serving it has been I give them a glass of Pappy, I give them a glass of Coke, and I give them ice and tell them with it being such a nice bourbon, I wanted to give you the components so you could mix it yourself to the appropriate mix. Wow. Uh, I've, they've never mixed the Coke. Not once. So I try to not be offensive. If I tell them they're a wow. fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, I, I, my bartenders always say I'm good at saying fuck you with a smile. Um, I, I'm good at that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I, like my, my husband's always like, you're really good at being like, fuck you, but your hair looks really nice. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, gosh. No, I'm, I'm going to say I, I feel like um, – I'm kind of at my bar. I'm the I'm I control the bar, and I am there to educate people on what they're drinking, how they're drinking it, and so I will not serve them a Pappy and Coke. I will educate them on why they shouldn't drink this with Coke. I mean, if it's really, it's, I mean, they, they push it then I'd probably do the same thing, but I don't never had to do that. <laughs> it's happened to me a few times at actually at a few bars. No. Um, I had to do that a couple times. But so like I said, it's never gotten mixed. They've always thanked me in the yeah. end, and I appreciate you not letting me ruin that. That, that Well, Pappy's yeah. not you know, the best thing out there. You know, it's what obviously we can go into a two-hour-long yeah. conversation on this. Oh, you probably don't need to. I did have. We'll say that for the next podcast. My sister, <laughs> my sister, I took her to Wild Turkey down, you know, down in Lawrenceburg, and uh, we did the high-end tasting. And right in the middle of it, she cracks open a Diet Coke, almost died. I'm like, my sister, of all people, you can't do that. <laughs> like, you cannot mix that with the diamonds, you know? <laughs> Public. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Wow. So <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you know, that. It's apologize rough. to our family at Wild Turkey too for that. It's rough. <laughs> so a, another question I kind of had for you, um, you know, we've all, at least in the bourbon world, we see something on the shelf, we buy it, we all make mistakes. It's, it might be, like I said, it could be craft and a little bit too grain forward. We're just not a big fan of, of drinking it neat. Is there a cocktail that you can use to make these a little bit more palatable? Absolutely. Yes. So kind of kind of talk about it's where called, I mean, yeah, sorry, it's right. Like, put ginger ale in it. Ginger ale. Ginger ale. I was trying to like fancy it up a little bit rather than just adding ginger ale, but we can always yeah. play around on something and yeah. doing something that is really going to cover flavors. I mean, Manhattan's and Mel Passion's is more enhanced, and you can do some stuff as yeah. and a heavy smash or a julep or a sour even that. It's gonna I, help cover it. You still, I've had some. I had. Um, I've had it come through a bit, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you you guys get stuff sent to you sometimes from. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the packages once. show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah once kinda, or twice. Not yeah. mad about it, um, but the, sometimes it's it's usually from a, a newer distillery or a craft distiller, and um, it's not that their products. It's not bad. It's just different than what you're used to. You know, um, no, they're bad. Sometimes bad. But I've had some stuff where I'm like, oh, well, this isn't bad. It's just, it's just different. You, you haven't know? tried Ozzy Tyler yet, have you? No. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> that no. shit. Woo. Bad. So I mean, uh, yeah. But, One of the few that I've like the, spit out. I've had, I've, you know, tastes like drywall. Ew, God. Oh, God. Tastes awful. like drywall. There was one that oh. came, somebody poured me one recently too that I had to spit out. It was out of a tin can. I can't even. Oh, remember. Stillhouse? Oh, Stillhouse. Stillhouse. Yeah. No, it's yeah. terrible. It was, that was, uh, 
Oh. So I, there, there, there's a, uh, you know, I write reviews, I score whiskeys, and people started pointing out, you know, if you really don't like something, you say would make a great cocktail bourbon. And I didn't, I real, did not realize I was doing that. Right. I'll be honest, with you, I did not realize I was doing that. But I was passing it on to like, yeah, you know what? It's no, don't drink it neat. It's a cocktail bourbon. But I have found that there is one note in, in some of these um, these bourbons that you cannot get out if it's a bad one. And it's that over charcoaly, woody note. It's like mm-hmm. there's nothing con- that, that I've been able to find that can cut that. Do you have any recommendations for like how to cut cut that charcoal, that over woody note that you find a lot of two-year-old yeah. uh, craft bourbons? I call it it's like um – what I call it is that, that new bourbon taste. Like it's very green. Exactly. You know, very mm-hmm. green. Um, I just did, I just had a bourbon and I, it wasn't that it was bad. It was really good. It was different. And um, by a very, really respected new distiller, or new distiller who I have a lot of respect for. Um, and I couldn't figure out what to do with it, but I finally ended up infusing apple juice with ginger, fresh ginger of all things. And it turned to, it turned out to be one of the best drinks ever. It was yeah. just real apple juice infused, you know, mushed up um, ginger that I let infuse, drained it out. And I just, that's all I mixed it with. It was fantastic. Yeah. And it did, it, it, it didn't, it wasn't like it covered up that green new taste. It, 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 um, it, it kind of complimented. like complimented it, yeah. It brought really some nice. new flavors to the party and said, you hey, did. green new taste ain't so bad. Oh, it was the bomb. Like, I yeah. can't wait to, I mean, I drank that whole bottle with that cocktail. It was awesome. Not in one sitting. I mean, I'm not mush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 with that. I mean, yeah, the thing is, I don't like to try to cover up the bad taste a lot of times. Uh, I also don't keep out of that at the house. Uh, for me, it's like you don't want to build a mansion on a shaky foundation. You know, mm-hmm. you're... you're yeah. Your bourbon is the foundation if you're making that cocktail. But you got to think like a lot of cocktails were created because the liquors are just tasted so shitty, you know? That's true, too. You know? so <laughs> We're not at that uh, that handicap nowadays. Yeah, so I know. Uh, maybe I'm a little spoiled. Uh, I don't think a lot of cocktails at home. So I'm a little spoiled yeah. when I get to use it at the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I'm thinking of like – I'm just kind of like going full circle here. Like I'm sure we could think of like – We've got our we've got our bottles that we can't get rid of, but we gotta we gotta make one big punch one day with, yeah. with everything. I don't know what it is, but maybe that's what it <laughs> well, is. Well, there was uh, wasn't there one of our friends didn't carry have the suggestion of like having uh, uh, you know drink your bad bourbon day, like mm-hmm. having a big party, oh, yeah, was was big online party, <laughs> absolutely. And I'm like <laughs> terrible Sunday, oh, I was like, next day after. You don't know oh. how bad my. Uh, my my collection is <laughs> because everybody sends me stuff. Have and you then, ever have you ever judged the ADI? Uh, ADI yes, and I, <laughs> yeah, yes. I know I have too. I mean, I Ooh. my palate was in shock for three. So, so for funny. those who are, are listening, oh. ADI is the American Distillers Institute. They have a they have a you know they bring in prominent tasters to judge their whiskeys and their ryes and their gins and vodkas. And I got to tell you, within like, you know, these are new distillers and they're honing in their skills, they're figuring it out. And, you know, we're there to try and help them. And it took me probably three months for me to get my palate back. And same here, I needed to like, I felt like I wanted to rip my tongue out and lay it down to take a nap. It was the most craziest, uh, it was the craziest thing. I I was exhausted each night, you know, just from 
sitting there tasting. And I just, <laughs> were you like, do I have to do this again tomorrow? Well, it, it was fine. It was some really good stuff in there, really interesting yeah. stuff. I but did WSWA similar, yeah. and we had to taste some really cool stuff. Yeah. And some, Stuff I have no idea why they were bringing it out. That's that is one of the reasons why I do like judging San Francisco is that you do the, they do get a lot, but they don't necessarily get the turds. Yeah. You know, they try uh, to get, yeah. you know they out. yeah that stuff. And if it if like if it's there, it's in a flight with like fifteen other good things. Whereas like at ADI, it's like you got turd after turd after turd. One good thing, yeah. turd turd turd, and that's not the insult. Oh no! At all, it's just it's just the reality of it, yeah. and the the market actually shows you that you know people don't necessarily like uh, you know fresh stuff from a distiller, and that's yeah. why someone like New Riff is so fascinating. Yeah, is because they're job. hitting they're hitting the ground like kicking ass. It's so good. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Well, there's the growth of all the distilleries is much faster than the growth of experienced distillers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think, and, uh, I think, you know, Mary Eversol has been a big part to New Riff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think getting a, the right consultant to help you do it because there's a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of distillers, I think, out there that, you know, they were brewers. I, I mean, I, we seem to see that a lot here in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. They were brewers. It doesn't mean they're bad distillers. It just means, I think, maybe brewing and distilling is just a little different. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a component. Right? Yeah. It is a component, but it's, not- but it's like, it's like, I mean, we've got distillers taking over places by default. There's a mm-hmm. local distillery in town that, well, I'm not going to talk bad about the person or the brand because I love the brand and the person, but he's been distilling for six months. He was doing it part-time behind two other guys, and they've left, and now he's the master distiller for this big brand with six months' experience. Uh, so there's some default distilling going on that— it's tough. Mm-hmm. You got to learn well, on your feet. And yeah. Actually, Kenny's a master distiller. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he I, just I, started. I, yeah, and I, I went online, took the certification. I've got my printed out. It's above my mm-hmm. desk now. Absolutely. Nice. <laughs> it still is right it, next to his microwave. <laughs> is it like, you That's know, I heat it up via radiation. Going, going online to become a minister. Like, yeah. you go online to become a distiller. <laughs> we should probably start that website, by the yeah, way. Yeah. So, buying a star. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So one last question before we wrap this up because uh, an old fashioned is just a, we, we didn't even hit winter and spring I know oh, was a double episode. I mean listen <laughs> we're gonna have to make this a double yeah a yeah. double alright make, we'll make it a double alright well is there, is there anything else you want to talk about with, uh, with time, with, but. Yeah. No, it's like if there's anything you want to talk about like with those particular seasons that we didn't hit on like some of your favorite cocktails because try a real mint julep yeah real they're not mint garbage if, mm-hmm. if you have them at Churchill they're garbage yes they have to make mm-hmm. them a million at a time have a yeah. good mint julep it's a premix. That's how yeah, it works. Don't do the premix. Have a yeah. good mint julep. They're it's actually really, a thing. really easy to do. It is really easy to make a good mint julep. It really is. Um, it's about not using the mix. It's about using real sugar, real mint, not bruising the mint. Oh my god, don't bruise your mint. And if you're doing it at home for a party, making a mint syrup and making a, yeah. a bowl of mint julep, it can yeah. be done. I've served mint juleps to hundreds important. of people, the ice and it can be delicious. The ice is important. Yes, and it's, ice the, is important. it's the best part because if you are just crushing it yourself, it's about getting your aggressions out before everybody gets there. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker! <laughs> like. <laughs> no, it's really important. So, yeah, good mint julep, I think, is one of the best skills a bartender could have. 
So, okay, so let's go to, like you, you brought up, not, not bruising the mint. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about, like, not using the stems in that, just the leaves and not pounding it? Right. Give the listeners an idea of what bruising the mint we'll tap is. tap. So, yeah, just a tap. So, you, you know, there's veins, little veins in a mint leaf, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to break those. Don't break oh, those. Oh, wow, okay. You just want to give it a slap, get its essence out. And can, then can you can you do it? Give us an example can, of a slap in the microphone. Just a little <laughs> slap, yeah. Um, but if you put it into, it, I usually I make a simple syrup, and even in the simple syrup, you don't want to overcook it. You want to, you know, make your simple syrup while the heat's still on. Throw a big um, handful of fresh mint in there for like while well, it's bright, bright green, less than like maybe three minutes. Then take it out. That's all you need. Take all of that mint out, and then you have the most beautiful simple mint simple syrup ever. And when you're making a mint julep, um, you do not want to muddle the mint. And then when you're making a mojito too, don't freaking muddle the mint. You make a mojito, no, you I don't muddle mint. I, 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 tap, tap. I don't twi- no. I don't do a muddle. I don't but break open. If you're making if you're making a mint julep, all you need you need to muddle the sugar and the limes, right? Muddle sugar and limes. Then you throw the mint in. Then ice. You let the ice do the work. Do the ice. I, I understand. We're, we, we get for a little bit. Uh, I, I give a little tap tap. I find I find ways to do it. That's, that's wind. We're about to fall over. So, uh, we're, we're on the very top of a very tall building, and it's uh, there's some a storm is and There's some people that say you don't even make mint into a mint julep. You just garnish it with the mint after you give it a slap. Uh, there's... Some different, yeah, I, I different some the um around the glass and stuff, and then a sp- big sprig. And I was making minchulos at, at Churchill Downs this year, and the guy who was making it didn't know how to make them, so I took over. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me. I, I won best mint julep in Kentucky this year. Yeah, congratulations. Was a, that was a fun one. <laughs> That's awesome. Congrats. That was a four roses. Yeah. Hashtag I was a judge, uh, remember? Yeah. I was supposed was to be a judge on that. I couldn't. Oh, the, the, yeah. the prelims. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, remember the, whole, the wall was falling? Yeah, it the was, wall. We were, we were like, we were at um, cork, and, cork and Barrel, or no, 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 it's no, Dex. No, it was And they had a, uh, a landslide. And like, we were in this room where like half the wall had come in from the landslide. And we were still, it was like February or something. And it was like freezing. <laughs> and we're sitting in there waiting for like the contestants to come in in this freezing room. And the wall kept moving. It was really scary. Like, grab the bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> grab the bourbon. I got lucky. They like ran out of time to get to me. So they came to my bar and I got to make it at Dude. the bar for them. <laughs> Nice. So, mint julep, spring cocktail. What's the winter story. cocktail? Um, well, I love, um, I, I think Manhattan's and, yeah. and, and components of Manhattan. So, um, you're like uh, Saratoga's and you're, um, like, you're remember the Mains and all of these different kind of like, like Manhattan-esque bourbons that use pretty much all alcohol, I think are really important. I think we differ a little bit. I mean, just because I've, like iterations of Manhattans. I just don't go as classic. Uh, what was that thing the, of the mains? What was remember the, the main? main? Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you want to explain go it? Uh, you go. Okay. I, know. I, know. So, I remember the Titans. Remember That's the main is like <laughs> one of the best drinks. I'll write about this in, in Bourbon Plus. It's so good. But remember the main is the cocktail that was created by this guy named Charles H. Baker, right? The 1930s. And he actually created this in Cuba of all places, but he used rye whiskey. So Cuba, 1930s, going through like some political uprising, the guy tried to put himself back in power. It's also the, the depression and Cuba's not doing so well. So he's in this hotel with all these other journalists and there's all this rioting going on outside. And he's like, you know, I'm gonna make a cocktail because that's what he did. So he put together rye, uh, cherry herring, sweet vermouth, 
uh, bitters and uh, put it into a cocktail glass. And he called it Remember the Maine after, because he felt like this is what how it had probably been when the Spanish-American War happened and the USS Maine went down the Bay of Cuba. Remember the Maine, hell with Spain. All so right. pretty there much in a nutshell, that is the Remember the Maine. And it is scrumptious. The only thing different about it is um, they added cherry herring to it. <laughs> That's a hell of a story. We're getting, that, so we're getting cool. a history lesson today, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's about the only time I would have cherry herring. It's I love cherry herring. Yeah. A sure. real Singapore sling. That's a summer mm-hmm. one that we haven't talked about. Yeah. A real Singapore sling with, with cherry herring. It's bomb. Remember, this is a bourbon podcast. I know. I can't help it. There's so many different cocktails. And as you we, said talk about cocktails yeah. for the occasion. Yeah. Well, yeah. We started asking I figured, about I figured at, at some point we're, we're going to talk at, about vodka and his, bo- his blood would stop boiling. We have boiling. talked about one vodka. There's only one classic vodka drink that I really love, and I bet you would like it too, Fred. Gimlet? No. <laughs> it's called Not a, the Gimlet. The um, What's the, what, the, the no the one where you mix the two sex on the beach no the you make you mix you mix uh, vodka and gin no oh, the a vesper long island iced tea the vesper the vesper yeah, yeah, yeah the vesper's vesper is really good but have you ever had a gypsy queen so no <laughs> it, you would love it it's actually really delicious it is um, it's actually a classic among classics it was introduced um, around the turn of the century in New York at the Russian Tea Room. Okay, and I mean, I, I know sense. we're going into vodka I know, promo right I know, now. But, so. but here's the thing about it is even a bourbon drinker would appreciate this. It's, all it is is vodka and um, and Benedictine and a splash of bitters. It's delicious. Uh, I do like Benedictine. You would really love this drink. Yeah. It's just lovely. It's just gorgeous. I tell you what, if you made it for me, I would drink it. I, I will make you one. Yeah. Darn, why go. don't we have a bar here? I, mean, <laughs> I got one wait, down the me, street. Let me, get, let, me get my, let me get my purse. You, you need to go thing with like little miniature bottles so that you can always like crack it open. I'll give vodka the one I told you earlier. The one, the only reason I drink vodka anymore is for oyster shooters. Yeah, oyster shooters. And we were talking about Wheatley, like Wheatley. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Give them a plug. But, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, I also want, because our, our listeners and our fan base, everybody's a, a big fan of just old fashions. Yeah. So kind of give your way of making a proper old fashioned, I guess that doesn't involve uh, muddling maraschino cherries. So And try not to get in an argument, you two. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not about arguing. It's just, it's, you know, we can drink different things. I could be like, you like that? Oh, you'll have bills. <laughs> always inspired me on a lot of things. And we've, done events together. We've done, yeah, what do you call panel. like panels? Yeah, that was panel awesome. was one of the most yeah. fun things I've done We're in totally a long time. Again. I hate competitions. All right. So my old fashioned, can you mind if I go first? You go for it. So my old fashioned, I'm very particular. Again, I don't like to use simple syrup in an old fashioned unless I'm making a, a special kind of old fashioned. Because there's old fashioned sugar, water, bitter spirit. That's an old fashioned, you know, and that's a template. You can use so many different ways. Sky's the limit, right? But I, my true old-fashioned is I use a sugar cube doused with Angostura bitters. If I happen to have those Woodford cherry um, bitters on hand, then I'll use those because those, those are the are bomb. So good. Oh, my God. I love them. They're chocolate. They're so good. Anyway, but Angostura bitters. Um, I use a vegetable peeler and take a zest of orange, and I muddle just the zest, not the orange. We're not making orange juice. Just the zest uh, with the sugar and the bitters. And then I use old granddad bonded. Uh, on the rocks. Easy enough. Yeah, it's really good. So is, the, is, is there no cherry in yours No then? cherry. No cherry. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, mine's not too far off. I uh, 
I take a mixing glass and I add two ounces. I use Old Forester, 100 nice. proof, the signature, but Old Granddad is another favorite to put in there. Uh, I take the vegetable peeler, grab a, you know, an orange peel, uh, but I take a torch and I kind of heat up the outside of the peel and then I zest the peel through the flame, you know, over top of the, uh, the mixing glass. Uh, some mango syrup bitters, and then I do use simple syrup just for consistency and things, uh, but it's like literally a dribble. Uh, it's not even a bar spoon, it's not even a quarter of an ounce, it's it's a dribble of uh, simple syrup. Uh, add ice, I stir it for just a moment, a couple revolutions, because you don't want to over dilute it because I'm going to pour it over ice. Uh, then I pull out that orange peel with some tweezers, throw it in there, and then I put one of our brandied cherries that we make in-house and throw that on top. Really nice. uh, no muddling of the cherry or anything. Just throw it on top. It's a little dessert. Oh, fantastic. And so now that we're making a double, I've got one more question that just kind of came <laughs> to my head because you both talked about using 100 proof bourbon. Yeah. Is is that the good middle of the road? Because you've got bourbon that's like Booker's at the 125 and you've got the other ones that are around the, you know, the basils that they're 80 proof. Like where do you, is there... Is there a, a cocktail to be made on both ends, or is like is a hundred just a good good medium? I like using a hundred proof. If I mean, I love drinking a hundred and over proof for my bourbons, mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, um, and I like mixing with them because, especially if you're, uh, you know, you really want to, you know, taste that that spirit, you know. But there are some cocktails where eighty and ninety proof work just perfectly in the balance of the drink. So, uh, you know, I I go both ways. It's not that Stirred I Stirred cocktails for me are typically the hundred proofers because mm -hmm. I am trying to go spirit forward. And yep. a lot of times they find themselves in the shaking cocktails too. But uh, I don't I hardly ever stir a bourbon that's under a hundred proof. Those are more for. Uh, like that Four Roses cocktail I've got my Vanilla, it's 80 proof, but it makes a fantastic cocktail because you're going for the flavors that complement rather than the body of the bourbon. Oh, awesome. Well, good. I'm glad we rounded that out. So it was fantastic <laughs> having you both on today. And before we sign off, I want to let each of you kind of give a plug about where people can find you, where can they know more about you online, um, where to find your places and how to get in contact. So Molly, I'll let you go ahead and go first. You can find me at Japs and Over the Rhine. Um, and... Uh, I'm also a um, contributor to Bourbon Plus magazine. Um, and, uh, well, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. I don't tweet. I don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. No, I don't have time for tweeting. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Rich's Proper. It's here in Covington, Kentucky, right outside of Cincinnati at 7th and Madison. Uh, you find me Rich's Proper at Instagram, Rich's Proper on Facebook. Uh, I'm just doing Great cocktails and bourbon. That's that's easy enough. We love to hear mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Kind of kind of good cocktail to this, Fred. What about you? Yeah, you know, and I wanted to say that um, my favorite uh, when when I do order a cocktail, I get a Knob Creek Manhattan. To me, Knob Creek is the best Manhattan uh, bourbon, and it uh, and I've tried it in many 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 different ones, but it's I feel like that particular product was like built for my palate as mm. a Manhattan. That's a good one. I, I'm a big fan of actually, we talked about using rye with Manhattans earlier. I like to do that. And usually a, a bowl at 95.5 is, is kind of where I like to go with, mm. sometimes with that. So I rediscovered Knob Creek rye recently, kind of just yeah. forgotten about it for a while and then came back to it. It's a hell that, of a rock. Yeah, they don't really market that at all. No. It's kind of like they so put it good. out there. Knob Creek, um, it's, uh, that's my cigar bourbon. If I want to smoke a cigar, I like usually have Knob Creek. <laughs> I love their single barrels. Like good. for their value, yeah, 40, the 50 barrel. bucks for the single barrels so theirs, and they're rolling out some older barrels. It's yeah, it's 
It's hard to get other stuff. The heck with a double. We're making this a triple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk for hours. We could. This. this is awesome. I think we're going to have to have a round two here. And, uh, <laughs> I'd like that. And we'll sync it up. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. So thank you again for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure having both you here to talk about cocktails and bourbon uh, and gimlets and everything else. <laughs> I mean, I think I think our listeners are going to come away a lot more educated because, at least for myself, I love going to a restaurant and ordering a cocktail. I hardly ever order a bourbon neat because we all kind of a lot of us own a lot of the bourbons on the shelf anyway yeah. um, and so when you go to get a cocktail it's more about getting an experience and trying something unique and something that's new uh, rather than just kind of going old hat and just drinking bourbon neat so this was a pleasure uh, not only that and then also getting a, a good history lesson in the same exact time <laughs> and so. you got to see some mint get slapped on so it was a pleasure and if you like what you hear make sure that you're following Bourbon Pursuit on Facebook Twitter and Instagram. We, we tweet. I know Fred's a big tweeter. He's all over the, he's all, he's, he's a tweet storm uh, in the making right there. So. I know I've been fidgeting. It's been so long. <laughs> it's, it's been about an hour since his last one. <laughs> teach me how to twit. I'm not really. <laughs> <big on>. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you're following Fred. Also check out Bourbon Plus. And if you're, if you're interested in even more about what uh, Bourbon Pursuit has to offer, you, you can actually have Bourbon Plus subscriptions as part of our Patreon following. So if you can go and check out more on how to support the show at patreon.com slash bourbon pursuit so with that thank you everybody for joining us and we'll talk to you all next week cheers thank you cheers.